in chapter 17 of the book of Genesis, verse 1, for example, you can read all through, but I'm reading from verse 1. He says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your number. He came to confirm covenant and read on and on. Then Abraham fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. And he goes on. I'm just giving this as to enlighten you on this. You know? After the first encounter, when Melchizedek comes, encounters him, blesses him, then now we begin to understand the ramifications of that blessing. That now God now comes in, chapter 17, cements covenant with Abraham. Chapter 18. After that, the next part of the cascade, the three visitors. And if you follow very carefully, all of them are following one thing. All of them are tracing one thing. There's one thing they're following. They're following the decree of the blessing Melchizedek declared. So you see, actually the events, the downstream events towards ascertaining the fulfillment of this decree at the valley of Shaveh. Next, now you see in chapter 18, the three visitors that came. And they're coming to still talk about the blessing Melchizedek laid, bestowed on his life. And they say, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great tree of Mamre, where he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord. He recognized them. And you see what transpires from there. If I found favor before you, my Lord, you see, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought. Then you wash your feet and rest under the tree. Let me get something to eat so you can refresh then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. And then I want to jump to verse 9. He says, Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. So you see the blessing. He came to encounter Abraham. It's as though you are saying, tomorrow, I want to come there. But let me run there, today, before tomorrow, and prepare things there, and put things in place. So when I come tomorrow, everything is lined up. 
So when he came and encountered Abraham, it's as though he was saying, look, I am coming back through this lineage. I had to bless you so all may be well. His first appearance. He had to bless him because he knew he would come back through this lineage. Because now, down the line, we have seen in chapter 17, God affirms the covenant. Chapter 18, the three guests from on high. And by the way, the third one that was here was the Lord. Abraham realized that later. So you see, the coming to affirm the covenant, chapter 17, chapter 18, that covenant, be careful that covenant. It's an eternal covenant. And in that covenant, he also talks about circumcision and many other things. And in that covenant, he declares fatherhood, that he will be now father of all the nations. That's amazing, meaning both Gentiles and the Hebrew nations. But then, chapter 18 now, in the cascade down the line, you see very clearly in chapter 18, that now the three messengers have come. Still to affirm this, the proclamations Melchizedek made. To affirm this blessing Melchizedek talked about. And saying, by this time next year, I'll be back. And when I'm back here, your wife Sarah will have a son. Then I begin to understand the blessing. You see that? And that's the problem the church has made a big error. They have always said the blessing of Abraham. I decree the blessing of Abraham, take this land. See until your eyes can see. Whatever, whatever. That is falsehood. Those are lies. The true blessing of Abraham was a spiritual blessing. The blessing that Abraham was given was the blessing that said, and the Messiah shall come out of your lineage. The Redeemer of all men. That one traverses all blessings. These things of the earth, that is alright, God will give you. But I'm talking about the blessing. What is the point owning these things of the earth and failing to enter into eternity? That's why, don't relate it, don't confuse it. These things of the earth that the Lord has given you people now, those are just benefits of following Him. They are not the main issue. The main issue is eternity. And he was coming to say that the Messiah will come through your lineage. That's why they came to talk about next year at this time, he will have a son. The promise. Hallelujah. And then when you go down further, I want to jump on, you know, step by step. Then let me jump now to 22. Chapter 22, when Isaac has been born, the promise has manifested now. The blessing has happened that Melchizedek was talking about. And in chapter 22, I'm reading just a few verses. You can read verses 1 to 19 though. And it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of the Moria. Which region? Moria, that's the Temple Mount. And he says, To the region of Moria, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. In fact, you could do this. One of the mountains I will tell you about. Because you know the mountain. Eh? On Mount Moria. And he says, 
verse 3. Early the next day, Abram got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abram looked up and saw the place in the distance. Verse 5. He said to his servant, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, then we will come back to you. Verse 6. Abram took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abram, Father, yes, my son, Abram replied, The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, But where is the lamp for the burnt offering? Abram answered, God himself will provide the lamp for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on. Let me just stop there for a moment. In the Hebrew context, that's where you pick everything from. Because he says, they were now going. They were now walking. Firewood, the fire, knife. You can imagine what was going through the mind of Isaac. Distress. Severe distress. You can understand that distress. Where he sweated until now blood, like blood. Distress saying, where is the lamb? He said, can you take this cup away? Because he was the lamb, Isaac. He was going to be offered. And in the Hebrew understanding, in the Hebrew understanding of this, the Lord will provide, normally in the Hebrew they say, the Lord will see to eat. That the Lord will see to eat. And that's why it is said that on the mountain of the Lord, the Lord will see to eat that he provides. The Moria. That's the temple mount. And when they reached there, laid him on the wood, built an altar, laid him on the wood, and lifted the knife to cut. Then immediately the Lord spoke. What did the Lord say? Immediately the Lord spoke. The Lord asked him not to hurt Isaac. Not to touch him. But further on, down the line, when Abraham looks, lift his eye up like this, he saw the ram. He sees the ram caught on its own on the thicket. Brought it and sacrificed it before the Lord. On the mountain of the Lord, the Lord will see to it that he provides. He saw to it that Isaac was saved. There was a promise spoken to Isaac. But what was all this act that the Lord was trying to enact with Abraham? Meaning, this one you've offered is the Lamb of God for sacrifice. Meaning, time is coming. When I, Jehovah the Lord, I will send my one and only son, whom I love, the firstborn of heaven, the darling of heaven, to come to the mountain of the Lord and be offered. Now I understand. That's why he blessed him. 
He will say, all these things are going to happen. He's going to be offered anyway. But it's amazing to me. These events. A little bit one scripture here for you. Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah 2 I'm reading. From verse 1 I'm reading. He says, this is what Isaiah son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many people come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. So you understood the mountain, we talk about the temple mount, to the house of the God of Jacob which would be built there to the house of the God of Jacob he will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths the law will go out from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem verse 5 let's finish with verse 5 verse 5 says come O house of Jacob let us walk in the light of the Lord so you see the relationship to the mountain of the Lord meaning there shall come forth light from the mountain of the Lord and that light shall be the light of all men. So when he was telling him to go and offer Isaac on the mountain, and then the Lord saw to it that he provided so that Isaac may be saved, he provided now the lamb of God for sacrifice. In fact, the Passover lamb. And then after sacrificing it, then the Bible says, Abram saw a vision. He saw the day Jesus was crucified on the cross. You see that now? The Lamb of God. But on all this put together, it bespeaks, it screams out, the look, on the mountain of the Lord shall come the path, the pathway for all men. Yes. The path that leads the kingdom of God yes. is through the cross. Amen. There shall be light and nations Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord so we may be taught about His ways. We may learn His decrees and walk in His ways. This is what Melchizedek was doing here. He was saying, look, I am coming. That's why he appeared with bread and wine. And let nobody ever confuse you. That bread must have been unleavened bread. That behold, this is my body which is going to be offered. Behold, this is my body, which is going to be broken for you. And this drink here is my blood that we poured, the cleansing flow. And this is the true drink that if a man drinketh out of, shall never ever thirst, shall live eternally. Amen. This was a big visitation. I was shocked. I said, why would God talk to me about Melchizedek now because that's something of the Old Testament but now I understand because it was very very uncommon it was totally uncommon unheard of we knew that they would send a prophet or a priest to anoint a king but never that somebody would have two crowns that on one hand he would be a priest on the other hand he is a king so then we understand that this Melchizedek actually presented the Messiah. He presented the Messiah. And you see, he is a priest 
whose priesthood is eternal. There will not be two priests in the house of the Father. Only one is. This is him. He is the priest of God most high, eternal. And his priesthood, God, we are going to read the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 7. God has decreed that his priesthood is eternal. Oh, that's beautiful. That to me is the most refreshing scripture we can receive because now he knew here that look, this is Abraham. I've come to bless him. But when I bless him, I know that eyes have come out and so on. And then there is going to be a Levitical priesthood bust out here. But he has seen already the weaknesses. From the beginning, nothing can overtake God by surprise. He had already seen that this priesthood would fall short, but it will serve his purpose within a short dispensation. But would exclude the Gentiles and then would be short-lived. Would not be permanent, eternal. Why? Look at this. Oh, I don't have time to read Hebrews 5 and 6 for you. I'm going to share the following visions. One, the vision of the mountain of the Lord. When the Lord, in a dream, a tremendous dream, mighty, mighty dream, lifted me up above the earth, then he showed me the earth. 2003. And when he showed me the earth, then I saw the city of Jerusalem raised above the other cities. And the voice spoke from heaven and said, Yes, Jerusalem is the center of the earth. Again, and the voice said, yes. I saw the city of Jerusalem raised like this above the other cities. Yes, Jerusalem is the center of the earth. Now I understood that shall be raised as chief among the mountains, you know, the mountain of the Lord. And look at this now. The Lord, when he sent Melchizedek, to the church. He loved the church. He loved the church. That was now love. Because now for the first time we see the unveiling of redemption. How it's going to come to mankind. And then you also begin to understand that it was far-fetched. This redemption at Calvary was actually far-fetched. It did not just show up in the New Testament. Now we had, uh-uh. God planned it, you know. And also, you can now see the deep love for you. He's preoccupied with all of it and he planned it very well and then it began to manifest in very chronological ways but systematic until it came to pass. So you see very clearly the king of Salem, the king of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, the eternal city where he will be the light there. But his kingdom will be in Jerusalem. Amen. The king of Shalom, eternal peace with God. He will be reigning there. The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God that was sacrificed on the mountain of the Lord. He has become the light of God in the house of Jehovah. And he has become the light for all nations. The unveiling of his plan. Coming wearing the crown of Melchizedek. Priest of God. But his priesthood is eternal. And there is a vow here by the Lord. I'm amazed by that. God himself, because God is higher than, you know. So God vows himself about his priesthood, precious people. Isaiah 52, verses 13, 15, I'm reading. It says, my servant will act wisely. You almost know what he's talking about there. He's talking about the Messiah. My servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up 
and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man. Any man, which means all men put together, none. Hmm? Disfigured thoroughly, he said. And his form was mad, which means damaged, beyond human likeness. My servant would act wisely. But they damaged him that he was so disfigured that if you put all men together and look at their faces, he does not look like any one of them. Dehumanized. He came in this form, but they damaged until you could not recognize a human in this thing. And his form was, oh, torn, what? So he has a lot of scars all over himself. So much scars. No man can write it in a novel. No man can act it in a movie. No man can describe it by words. But his form, in this Isaiah 52, he says, he was disfigured. He was totally damaged. His form, the form, that's what I was describing, the tone, the whatever, but now they healed it to scars. And when you follow this Isaiah 52, then you see what Melchizedek was talking about. Because in Malachi chapter 1, you understand what Isaiah 53 is. Malachi 1, verse 6, he says, blemished sacrifice. He says, a son honors his father, and a servant is master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. It is you, O priests, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You place defiled food on my altar, but you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible, when you bring blind animals, have you seen that? Blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled and diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor, your president, your leaders, your prime ministers. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now implore God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? And he says, Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires before me. You know, it's the whole thing going right there. Verse 14. Cast is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name will be feared among the nations. Let me explain this. Isaiah 52. When he came, when Melchizedek was presenting the Lamb of God to mankind, the priesthood of Judah, the Levitical priesthood was going to be buffed out here, but had weaknesses because he was presenting the sacrifice in the Levitical priesthood was just a mere mortal with sins. That's why they had to offer for their own sins and their household first before they offered for the people. That's why it had to be annual, perennial, annual. Every year on Yom Kippur in Israel. But anyhow, 
He had seen the weaknesses of the Aaronic priesthood, Aaron and his sons. That it was temporary and the Gentile church was virtually left out. So God, before this comes in, he presents he whom Moses would not even speak about that tribe. Judah. He presents him here. He presents him here to overcome the weaknesses of this priesthood. That to me is very critical because you see the centrality of the Gentile church also. Yes. Because at rapture now it's the Gentile church. That is how he called you. Because you read down there it says, He about whom these things are being said did not even belong to the tribe of Levi. In fact, we know that our Lord came from the tribe of Judah. So it was outside to give room to the others also to be grafted into the Abrahamic covenant. Amen. But now listen to Isaiah 52. So, he presents, Hey, go to the mountain of the Lord, of the Lord's temple, and take your son, your only son whom you love. Please offer him there as a burnt offering to me. Precious with a promise. The son of the promise. His idea is the complete package of the blessing. The precious blessing, the complete package. Go and offer him. You see that? And what's amazing to me about this is that take your son, your only son, whom you love. Whom you love. Go offer him. Listen very carefully to this. And when you listen to the type of offering he must have been talking about with the son whom you love, you go to Exodus 12. Exodus 12 verse 7. He's busy describing without defect. The best is the one I want you to offer. So here we see Melchizedek presents the best of heaven. The firstborn in heaven. The darling of heaven. He always says, behold, he's going to be offered his body is here and the blood is here. The bread and the wine. Now, in Isaiah 52, we see that he has been deformed. He has been sacrificed. Kumbe, when they sacrificed him, they took him whole, without defect, he that knew no sin. And they offered him, and they disfigured him, and they deformed him. Completely. That no human being could look like him. Listen to this now. After he was offered, in Isaiah 52, when I go to check on God's blueprint, God's prescription of sacrifice, eh? I find the Lord saying in Malachi, don't offer me any deformed animal. Don't offer me any that is diseased, has been crippled, beaten and destroyed with scars and name it. Eh? Then I began to understand that when Melchizedek was coming, talked to Abraham, he said, look, I am coming. And when I come to offer this sacrifice on the temple mount of the Lord, what I'll do is this. I'll offer the best without defect and I'll offer all. 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 I will offer 100% of me. Look, my body is broken here. Look, the wine is here. When you look back now, when he's deformed, you cannot offer him to Jehovah. Now you cannot even present him. 
He is now, if you took him to try to present, that would be a defined sacrifice. Now he's deformed. Which means there would never be another Calvary. Yes. 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 Only one Calvary. And he offered all. Don't fall into sin, people. Don't abuse the first Calvary. It is the first and the last and the ultimate, final. If you know that this message has touched you, and you know that you are not right with the Lord, please repeat this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I repent today and reject sin. Lead me into righteousness. I receive you as Lord and Savior. Please protect me in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you have said that prayer, behold, a new day has begun with your life. The Bible says you become a new creation before the Lord. And the Lord will help you walk in the Holy Spirit, change your life, throw out the things that constitute sin, contamination in your lives. Shalom. Shalom.